Welcome to Storybound, presented by Lit Hub Radio and the Podglomerate. I'm your host, Jude Brewer. Coming up in one minute is a story told by Jack Recider, with original composition by Shane Brown. Be sure to stick around until after the credits to hear a conversation with Jack and more about how this episode was made. This is a story told by me, Jack Recider. Sometime back in the late 1930s, my grandfather hitchhiked from Chicago to L.A. He was just 18, had a few months off in the summer, and decided to see the country. My grandpa would tell me stories about this trip all the time. Obviously, he had fond memories of this trip, and it had an impact on him all the way into his old age. When I was 18, I decided to recreate this trip. I also wanted lifelong memories of a solo road trip that abandoned all care and would just go wherever the wind would take me. But I wasn't brave enough to hitchhike, so instead I rode the rails. I headed to Chicago and bought a train ticket and then headed west. It didn't matter where, as long as it was west, with the goal of ending up in Los Angeles. All aboard, and I was on the move. It was my first train ride between two cities. Sure, I've taken like a trolley here or there, or rode some novelty train ride somewhere, but this was a full-size passenger train, 20 cars of people. There were nice and comfy seats in some cars, beds in other cars, a restaurant in a few. Some cars had entertainment where you could watch movies or look through big glass windows to see what's going on outside. I like exploring. Actually, I love exploring. So I would see how far I could walk up and down this train and see what rooms I could get into. Some cars were two stories tall and I would try to go down below and see what was down there. I I just can't keep my curiosity locked up. I got into trouble sometimes and got into places where I shouldn't be or opened windows that I shouldn't have opened. But oh well, I would just go back to my seat and wait and try again later. I just don't worry about being caught because it's not illegal to wander around on a train. It might be against the rules, but I doubt I'd get kicked off for it. I started planning out some stops. Hey, I'll probably go through Colorado. I think I have some family there. I'll call them at the next station and see if they'll let me stay over. And I knew some people from the internet from other towns that I could possibly meet for the first time. My first stop in the train was St. Louis. An old high school friend had moved there. His name was Jesse. We used to skate together. Yeah, I was a skateboarder in high school. I emailed Jesse before the train trip and he was more than happy to have me stay a few nights. So I got off the train in St. Louis and he picked me up at the station. Jesse took me back to his place. He was staying in an old house that had a basement which was turned into a second living space. Jesse had an older brother staying with him too, Joel. I remember Joel. He was a few years older than us. In high school, Joel loved playing pranks. He would get super glue and glue quarters to the ground in front of the vending machines and watch other kids try everything to pick them up. Those quarters stayed there for three months. Joel once put hard candy in his mouth and then took off his shoes and spit on his hands and feet. He said the candy spit would make his hands and feet sticky. And once they were all sticky, he climbed up a light pole. He got halfway up, pulled out a sharpie, and wrote his name way up high on the pole. After that, we called him Candlestick. 
We all sat in their basement, ordered pizza, watched TV, played old video games from high school, and reminisced about old times. The pizza in St. Louis, it has a very thin crust, almost like a cracker. Joel had an idea. He was feeling frisky, probably from thinking about the old days and wanting to do something adventurous. He told us about this old church down the road, which had been abandoned for over a decade, and said he always wanted to see what was inside it. Hell yes, I said. I love exploring stuff and places that I'm not allowed to go in, especially abandoned places. Jesse wasn't sure, but we eventually convinced him. At this point, it was dark, the pizza was all gone, and we were getting ready to go. I brought my camera with me. Jesse got three flashlights, and Joel passed out gloves for each of us. We loaded the car up and drove down to the abandoned church. We came up to it. It was big, like five stories tall, huge round stained glass window on the front, a tall steeple. It was amazing looking, but you could see some windows were broken and you could see into the place. We circled around the front, looking for a way in. Doors were locked, giant chains were wrapped around the handles and there were padlocks on it. Maybe there was a side door or a way in through the back. We parked our car down the road a block away and walked down the alley to get to the church. As we came around back to the church, we saw a few windows down towards the ground which probably go into the basement. We went around examining a few and found a window that was open. It was just big enough that we could crawl through it and into the building. Joel decided to go first. He got down on his belly and put his legs in through the window and got into the room. Keep in mind it's pitch dark out and we're trying to be quiet and not use our flashlights outside and it's also pitch dark in the church. Joel slithered his way down into it and turned his light on once he got down there. And then he whispered out the window, Come on, guys. I go in next. Feet first, I crawl down in too. I landed on the basement floor, turned around, and there was this guy in my face. Ow, what the? Joel had found a plastic statue of Jesus and was pushing it in my face to scare me. Damn it, Joel. Don't do that. Jesse came down after us, and Joel scared Jesse too with the Jesus statue. Now all three of us were in the basement of this church. It was dirty, cobwebs everywhere, rain had gotten in, there were mice droppings everywhere. We were in some storage space. There were old chairs here, tables, and yeah, this weird Jesus statue. We made our way up the stairs, which led us right onto the altar, or stage of this church. Wow, it was amazing inside. All the rows of the benches were still there. The red carpet on the altar was still there. Many decorations were there too, but most were broken or had fallen down. We all three stood there on the stage, just looking at the entirety of this church. So big and empty. It was beautiful too. How anyone would let this become abandoned is just so sad. Out on the street was a street light, and you could see the light coming in through the large stained glass window in the front. But the place was filthy. Broken boards with nails sticking up all over, glass broken on the ground, dirt and dust everywhere. The carpet was ripped in a lot of places. Some benches were just broken or missing altogether. From the stage, we could see there was another large area to sit up upstairs, like a balcony, to watch the ceremony. We decided to try to find the stairs to get up there. 
We walk through the church, looking down the rows of benches to see maybe somebody is sleeping there or hiding there. It's always a little spooky to be walking through these spaces at night. Someone might be in there, or someone outside might see our lights and call the police. We took precautions to always stick together and to not shine our lights toward windows, always shine them towards the floor as much as you can. All the benches were empty and we made our way to the back of the church and we found a twisty, windy, circular staircase going up to the second floor. We started making our way up. The stairs were creaky and dirty. A lot of debris was on there like linens and broken wood. We made our way onto the balcony that overlooks the church and here we could see a new perspective of the place. It was glorious to just sit down and look around, to imagine that at one point this place was all packed full of music, light, and hope. But now, it's quiet, dark, and forgotten. On the other side of the balcony, Jesse found another twisted staircase leading up to another floor above us. That might be a way to get up into the bell tower, so we decided to go up. But no, you couldn't. The doorway to the stairwell was boarded up. It was jammed with pieces and parts from benches of the church. And this wasn't done well either, like it wasn't done by a carpenter. Instead, somebody took just church benches and stacked them up in the stairwell doorway to make a wall to prevent anyone from going up. Huh, this is curious though. What was up those stairs? What's on the other side of this wall? We had to know. We found that even though the benches were stacked to the ceiling of the stairwell floor, there was a small opening under the bottom of the bench. Jesse, being the smallest and skinniest, got picked to go try and fit through. He got on his belly, wiggled and squeezed his way through under the bench to get into the stairwell. How's it look? called his brother. Hold on, said Jesse. Let me go up a little and see if it's just a dead end. We hear him going up the steps above us. His steps were getting fainter as he got higher and further away. His footsteps stopped. It was quiet for a moment. Then a whole minute passes. Joel and I start looking at each other, wondering what's going on up there. You are listening to Storybound. And now for a short break. And now we return from our break. Hold on, said Jesse. Let me go up a little and see if it's just a dead end. We hear him going up the steps above us. His steps were getting fainter as he got higher and further away. His footsteps stopped. It was quiet for a moment. Then a whole minute passes. Joel and I start looking at each other, wondering what's going on up there. Then we hear Jesse's footsteps come running down the steps. He lands on the floor, pops his head from underneath the bench and says, hey guys, you gotta come up here and see this. Joel immediately falls on the floor and squeezes his way in under the bench. I dive in behind him and immediately getting onto the other side, I see stacks of books. Each step of this stairwell has hymnals, songbooks, and Bibles, all stacked up, almost like the steps were a bookcase. The books were just piled on every step, in kind of a messy, thrown-about way, and it was still really dusty everywhere. 
A few steps had so many books piled on them that you had to step over that step entirely to get up like two steps at a time. I picked up one of the books, opened to a random page, and I read the passage. And thou shalt eat the fruit of thine own body, the flesh of thy sons and of thy daughters, which the Lord thy God hath given thee, in the siege and in the straightness, wherewith thine enemies shall distress thee. Deuteronomy 28.53 I picked up another songbook. It read, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. I flipped to another page. The song said, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Oh, these books kind of creep me out. I put one of the hymnals in my back pocket and walked up the steps. We got to the third floor and looked around. All I can say is that this place was weird. It felt weird and looked weird. In one corner was a makeshift altar, a bunch of old candles around a cross. It was wax dripped all over the cross. There was a window overlooking the street, but the glass was broken out of it. And on the window sill was a telephone that wasn't plugged into anything. There was an old vacuum cleaner in the center of the room, a three-foot-tall ceramic statue of Mary. There were kids' shoes and toys thrown about. At one point, I found a little plastic treasure box with plastic gold coins in it. Some of those gold coins were even on that makeshift altar. There was a pile of trash in another corner. Someone was certainly here after this place was abandoned, which immediately made us wonder if somebody's up there now watching us. We weren't perfectly quiet. You could hear our footsteps coming and us talking as we explored the room somewhere. Joel went up to the old vacuum cleaner in the center of the room. For some reason, he unzipped the bag on it. You know how old vacuums need like a dust bag that catches the dirt and picks it up? Joel unzips that part and looks inside this vacuum bag. And in there is a black duffel bag. Immediately, Joel stops and says, Hey, psst, look at this. He shines a light on this black duffel bag, which is stuffed in this vacuum cleaner. The duffel bag looks like it has something in it. And at this point, my anxiety shoots up. What if this is a stash of drugs? Or like a dead drop? You know what a dead drop is, right? It's like where two secret agents pass messages between each other. But it can also be used to keep money in it. Was this duffel bag full of money? We really wanted to know, but we were really nervous. If we started getting into this and we heard someone coming up the stairs, there is literally no place to hide up here. We'd be screwed. I wanted to go back down and get out of there, but I also wanted to know what was in this thing. I got the creeps after seeing this, but Joel made it clear that we were going to open the bag. But before we did anything else, though, he told us to check the room to make sure nobody was in here watching us. Because if we start taking someone's money, they're not going to be happy. So we searched the room, but it was empty. There's nobody up here except us three. Joel gives me his flashlight to hold. He opens the vacuum bag and starts pulling the duffel bag out. It was really jammed in there tight. He had a tough time pulling it loose, but finally he got it out. It was heavy. Definitely something was filled in there. He set it down on the floor, and when he did, it made a thud sound, like the sound a flashlight makes when you set it down on a wooden floor. Our hearts were racing at this point. I'm starting to think in my mind, what do we do if there is some sort of treasure in this thing? Joel opens the duffel. We all look inside. It's full of dust. 
Seriously, like as if someone emptied the real vacuum bag into this duffel bag. It was extremely dirty in there, like it was a full bag of just dirt. But Joel picked up the bag and set it on the floor again in a somewhat hard way. And again, it made a loud thud as he put it down. This didn't sound like a duffel bag full of dirt hitting the floor. Instead, something hard was inside that bag. Jesse said, uh, why don't you try flipping it over and dumping it out, Joel? Joel looked in there, took a breath, turned the bag over and dumped it onto the floor. Immediately, a huge cloud of dust fills the air and oh, it smelled awful, like rotten meat. I started coughing from this. <coughs> <coughs> there was so much dust in the air and the flashlights made these cool beam-like illuminations wherever we pointed it and as our coughing stopped and the dust settled we all looked down to see what was left on the floor and what we saw looked like a human femur bone and skull this absolutely startled jesse and when he saw the human skull he jumped back and said whoa he went backwards into a pole which knocked his flashlight out of his hand joel tried to catch the flashlight but he tripped on the femur and fell the flashlight landed right on the head of that ceramic statue of mary it toppled over and smashed into a million pieces this freaked me out i quickly started running for the stairs jesse and joel were right behind me we got to the blockade where those benches were all stacked up and we just kicked it right over pushing it through didn't even try to go under it we ran across the balcony, down the stairs, up onto the stage, and I stepped on a rusty nail on that stage. It went straight through my tennis shoe and stabbed me in the foot. Ow! There was no time to stop and examine it. We kept running down into the basement and went through that little window that we came in. We kept running all the way to our car, covered in dust still, and we jumped in the car and drove off. We were freaked out all the way home. Why were there human bones up there? What was that dirt in the bag? Was that human ash? Did we breathe in human ash? Do we have human ash on our clothes? We all took turns showering, and I did not sleep well that night. I left town the next day and kept making my way west. Jesse told me later he talked to the police about this old church and wondered if they knew anything about it. Not mentioning the bones that were up there, but just anything about the old church. The police said the church closed down when the pastor hung himself in the bell tower. And it was just such a grim thought for all the churchgoers that they just stopped coming. And without their main pastor to keep it going, they couldn't keep the church open. I ended up throwing out that songbook I took. I just don't want any memories of that night haunting me. Luckily, my foot healed up fine, but it did leave a scar right on the bottom of my foot. A few years later, Jesse and Joel went back to that church all the way up to the top to see what was there. When they got there, the place was cleaned out. There was no vacuum cleaner. There were no bones on the floor. And there wasn't even a barricade stopping them from getting to the top floor. Somebody had been up there to clean that place out. Jesse and Joel told me they only cleaned out that top floor and left the rest of the church the exact same as when we saw it. So none of us really know whose bones those were or what happened up there. But for the rest of my life, I'll always remember that story about that one night in that old church in St. Louis.
is like a noose that I must slip myself into. So with you forever, it's scary what your love could do. Self-destruct beneath the better love we talk Well known to the way They say they know not what they say What they say Oh, oh yeah This was a story told by Jack Resider, creator and host of Darknet Diaries. You can listen to Darknet Diaries on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. You can also follow Jack on Twitter at Jack Resider. The music for this episode was composed by Shane Brown. Now, if I were you, as soon as this episode is over, I'd go look up his album titled Cicada. That's C-I-C-A-D-A, Cicada. You can find them on Spotify or Apple Music. That's Shane Brown. Storybound is mixed, produced, and hosted by me, Jude Brewer. 
Our executive producers are Jeff Umbro of The Podglomerate and Justin Alvarez of LitHub. This show's theme was developed with the help of James Cook. You can find his music under the name Grain Table. Want to tell us what you think of the show? Find us on Twitter, at StoryboundPod, or you can tweet at me directly, at Jude Brewery. New episodes are released every Tuesday. Next week, we'll hear a story from Adele Waldman with original composition provided by Haley Johnson. So I'm here on the phone with Jack Recyder, and uh, we're just going to go kind of behind the scenes a little bit, talk about this episode, and kind of see what he's up to. So, hey, Jack. How's it going? Good. How you been? Good, man. Right on. Um, I was just saying, it's been such a long time since we've actually spoken. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's cool to see this, um, this podcast really um, shaping up, and it sounds so good so far. I'm really impressed with everything coming out of it. Thanks, man. Uh, likewise, I've, I've, I've been a mutual fan of yours, just Darknet Diaries and how that's grown, really, and just the, like, what, it was only 2017, so it's just two years, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I, we met when I was just kicking it off. Actually, I think I launched it that week that we met, and, uh, <clears throat> and, and yeah, it's been two years, and things have gone really well. Yeah, we were both launching a show at the exact same time, and... Uh, yeah, it was. It's I. What's what's really neat, and I, I said this to you before, but you know what I like about Darknet Diaries is just your investigative approach. It's so, inform like it's so information focused that you know you're able to like kind of jump right in, and you you want to figure it out. And I, it's so well researched. So I think kind of my my curiosity here is because I know you were doing it on your own for quite a while. Um, but then eventually you, you've expanded out, right? Like you have, do you have someone helping you out with research or is that primarily your focus? I'm just really curious what the process is like. Yeah. For you I mean, lately. I couldn't afford any help for like the first year and a half cause it was just not there. And now it's, uh, it's now it's getting to the point where, uh, you know, I'm able to pay my bills plus, plus get some extra help. So whatever I'm making on the show is just going back into it. And yeah, I'm able to get some some writers and researchers and artists and even some producers and sound designers are helping out now to really uh, kind of take the load off me and allow me to uh, get more stuff done and uh, take on maybe more some, some more projects uh, in 2020 here. That's good, man. That's it's exciting. So 2020 is going to be a pretty... I don't know. You're carving out whole new territory then. I'm reaching well. for new things. I don't know where I'm going, but uh, it could be a new podcast. It could be a book. It could be a, a video course. I don't know yet. That's exciting. That's really exciting to hear. I mean, I just, I think that's kind of the, the grand experiment of it, right? I feel like, you know, you start out your show one way and it it's interesting how it's evolved. Um, like for me, you know, and I, I've enjoyed so many episodes of the show. Like I, 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 for, I don't know why it was, but for some reason that Xbox episode really like that just felt like something so new for the show. Yeah, the people like you really get behind the scenes of what it feels like to do some hacking, and then uh, you know we go through the story, and yeah, so I got three hackers telling me this one story. It's just really well done. I think it's my favorite episode too. And yeah, people listen to that thing multiple times because they're just like flabbergasted by the whole story of it all. Because it's something, and this is the thing, I'm, I'm different than you that I like nonfiction stories, making them, and you like making uh, fictional stories, I believe. So uh, <laughs> I, I think nonfiction is, you know, s truth is stranger than fiction. So I'm just like, there's no way I could possibly write stories that I'm doing on my show, and yet they're true stories. It's just crazy to me, and that's what I kind of love about it is how wild some of these are. 
Yeah, no, they're completely wild. And and that's interesting because I was going to ask you what episode of yours like kind of stands out to you that like you're very like proud of. So, I mean, that's obviously one. Is there another that you feel not that it didn't necessarily like maybe deliver the response you were kind of hoping or expecting, but just one for you that you're like when you were done, it maybe was a lot of work and you were like, man, I feel like that's probably one of my best at this point. Everything else is just kind of gravy. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I one of the things I keep trying to do is up myself, like just one up it every time. And uh, man, it's getting harder and harder because I've done I've done some original research on on uh, you know calling up some some Bangladeshi uh, uh, you know chart manipulators, Apple podcast chart manipulators, and and getting to the bottom of that. And that and I thought I could not top that. And then and then I had uh, the Xbox one was just really un- unbelievable one. And then there was a, a recent one I interviewed uh, someone from NSA and US Cyber Command and like I never thought I'd get an official on the record story from them and so where is it go next I have no idea but it just it just keeps getting crazier and crazier like the guests I'm getting is I never expected this kind of stuff so there is some very interesting guests lined up for for later on this year and um I hope that's <laughs> that's exciting enough for some people. Yeah, for sure. And I'm I, I think the most exciting part too is that not just not just the work you're putting into it, man, but it you've really shown that that hard work pays off because you have a really devoted fan base. Like I was seeing people would like you know do artwork for some of you, for some of your stuff or um I just people seem really passionate and I I'm just curious like when did that like I don't know when 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 did you notice that and was that does that just come kind of as a real surprise to you or Yeah there was a you know the week I launched it I told a, a few hundred people that I was following on Twitter and and some of my friends and um I went to a conference and I met someone who listened to my first four episodes and said I listened to all four episodes I'm like I just put all four episodes out yesterday and you listen to all four already. And this was a person I had never met before. And so it was really that first week that just totally stunned me. And, and for someone you don't know to just say, I've binged all of it and I want more, is such a gratifying feeling. It's so amazing when you do something yeah. artistic and then people respect and appreciate that and want more of it. Like that's just a feeling I never expected that's just worth every second second that I spend on this and so much more. It's just so great. Yeah, it's a feeling worth chasing for sure. So I'm, what I'm curious now, because the episode, did you get a chance to, I'm really curious if you got a chance to listen to uh, your, epi- your Storybound episode yet. Yes, I did. Okay, so before I kind of ask, ask your thoughts on it, I'm curious, uh, first of all, because this is a fictional story, right? So yes, that's, it's interesting. It's like, there's like, I would say it's fictional. Yes, let's say that. But the thing is, is that I took about seven different personal stories and mashed them all together to make this, right? And the one, one of them is actually a story from my dad when he was a teenager exploring things as well. So, um, you know, I did go into a church. I did ride a train. I did explore things with my friends. We did find some strange things such as a vacuum cleaner with a duffel bag. Like there's so many of these things that are true stories and things that I just experienced on my adventures going around. Um, but it just didn't all happen in this order, right? So it's it's mostly true, but not quite. 
Oh, so then you totally know what that's funny because you were just saying you really love exploring nonfiction. But, you know, it's interesting is that you you you're really doing exactly what fiction writers do. Like, honestly, fiction writers are writing nonfiction for the most part, but they're mashing it up and it's coming from a really true place. So that's that's funny that you that you followed that process. I had to do that in order to kind of give you the the sense that is this true or not? And, and you know, I used as much truth as I could and then just kind of tweaked a couple things here and there, moved that dial to just make you go, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, how did it feel actually hearing it with music and kind of the design around it? Like what, uh, I don't know, what was something that kind of popped out to you? I'm just curious. Yeah, so I gave this to you like uh, four or five months ago, right? And so I kind of forgot what the story was. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. I love. I personally love that feeling where it's like, it's so gone from me. I don't know. I can't, I can't remember all the details. Yeah, sure. so when I was listening to it, I was like, wow, what's going to happen next? Where, where are we going? What's happening? And so, yeah, it was a, it was a fun thing to listen to. Like I, at, at the end there, my heart was even racing a little I was I was you know I could feel myself being more alert I was just sitting in a, in a dark room listening to it and I was like my eyes were like so dilated and I was like what what you know I'm feeling like the, the adrenaline from it so I, I got into the story I, I enjoyed it that's awesome man so you what you, what I did is I provided the uh, the story and the narration to you and you did the sound design on it and and had some people help you with that and that was just I thought it was really good um, I I, I even want to ask you, like, there was this, uh, there was this musical piece that kind of lasted through the whole series or the whole, you know, thing, kind of like a, a bass guitar. Was that like one solid song through the whole thing? And who, and did, was that like custom made for this or where did you even get that? Yeah, it was custom made. So, um, I have a friend, his name is Shane Brown and he is just phenomenal. I can send him something and he'll disappear with it for like a week and then he'll come back and he'll say, oh, it took me like, you know, X number of tries to get it all done in one shot. So, yeah, he basically sits there and he just he just feels it out and he feels out wow. kind of what you're doing. And he's able to kind of improvise here and there. But he generally does that stuff in kind of one take. Yeah, I think uh, I mean that was a really interesting thing because I listen to a lot of podcasts with with music under on in the beds, right? Like and and I never heard any anything last for more than 3 minutes of a song. And this yeah. was like 18 minutes of the same song and I was like is this going to is this going to ever end? But it worked out really well. It really tied it together. It really gave you that sense of moving. And, and there was even scene changes that worked out. I, I was really amazed with that style of, of music behind there. And uh, boy, uh, that's something I've got to learn from. Yeah, he uh, Shane is he's just also really good at experimenting, you know, and that's something that's been really amazing with each of the episodes is just I'm kind of letting the musicians have free reign. And that's and it's been interesting to see where they take it. I, I have some notes for them, but for the most part, yeah, that was almost 100 percent Shane. And then I just came in with the I did all the sound effects and did like tweaks here and there. But I let I let the score just be what it was. I didn't even mess with it. So yeah, it's really good. Thanks, man. That means a lot. So. What's kind of, can you give kind of like a preview of anything that you have cooking right now that, that maybe some interviews you're, you're excited about this next year or? I don't know how I ran into the, I, I landed an interview with someone from North Korea and this mm. North Korea is so fascinating to me that I was like, yes, I will do this interview and I don't know what to ask them or, or what the story is about. Right. So I just grabbed the interview <laughs> and I went with it. And it's not quite as much of a hacking story as I uh, as the rest of my stories are in my podcast. But oh my gosh, to, 
to to pass up that chance to interview someone from North Korea, well, you know, I couldn't do that. So I, I grabbed the interview and I have that interview and that's going to be a pretty good story um, just to hear the inside of, of what it's like in life in North Korea. So that was just such a rare experience that I, I had to do it. And that's going to be coming up in the next few months. That's awesome, man. I'm uh, really looking forward to it. Um, and seriously, congrats on the show, man. Uh, year two. I mean, you just finished year two, so we're on to year three now, right? Really? Yeah, big things ahead. Uh, congratulations, man. I think you you put the the hard work in, and it's really paid off. For, so thank you. Yeah. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.